Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Some of the special guests we have here with us. I don't want to say guests, they're pretty much like family now. We've got Brother Caleb Kleitz up back here, and um, Brother Scott and Miss Lexi. Brother Scott's a New Jersey guy, but don't hold that against him. And uh, Miss Lexi, she's from up in Maine, so we're kindred spirits being maniacs. And uh, then, of course, Brother Nick and uh, Miss Rebecca, they've been up here previously. We're so thankful they were able to come up for the weekend, be able to spend time here for the reception. And uh, we praise the Lord for them, how the Lord's using them um, to be able to serve Him. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together. We'll begin reading in verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse number 14, read down through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know him, know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him." I have underlined this phrase starting off here in verse number 14 where it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. And we're going to look down through this passage of Scripture here in just a moment. But I want to preach for a little while this morning on this subject matter on the difference love makes. The difference love makes as we look in this passage of Scripture. Let's have a word of prayer and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful. Lord, even around this time of year, I know the, Lord, the, the world puts an emphasis on Valentine's Day, but it ought to draw us back to the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. And in turn, the love that we ought to have for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, the love that you had for us and the love that we have for you, it ought to make a difference in our lives. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help us today as we look into the Scriptures that the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted and glorified in our lives now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Boy, isn't it good to see brother and sister Jackson here with us this morning and uh, being back in. They've been traveling back and forth to Maine and Massachusetts and all over New England filling in and helping churches and preaching the Word of God and, and uh, in between all of that, chaplain up there at the jail. And uh, we're so thankful to be able to have him back home with us this morning. Good to have the Franks with us back home and uh, being able to be here for service. And 
I heard from the Worrells, and they texted me yesterday down in New Mexico, and they said, guess what's going on here? They said, it's snowing. And so <laughs> they keep telling us, but then it'll get up to 45 or 60 um, during the day, and the snow is gone by noontime. But uh, just thankful. I'm thankful that our church family, as a majority right now, is back together this morning. And uh, I've been praying for that. What a difference love makes. Makes a difference, and this isn't just a Valentine's message. But as I look into the scriptures, I believe the love of God is a central theme from beginning to end as we read throughout the Word of God. We have two chapters beginning in Genesis about the creation of everything that there is, and we still believe that God created everything by His, the power of His voice in a matter of six literal days. I don't believe He started, evolution, started creation and let evolution take over from there. I believe the biblical account of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, as you read about it in the Scriptures, He created man on the sixth day, created woman, put them together in the Garden of Eden, and then a certain amount of time passed, and we know that man and woman sinned against Almighty God there at the beginning of Genesis chapter number 3. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? We have those first two chapters about creation, and then another 1187 chapters throughout the Scripture of God revealing His love to mankind. To be able to reconcile lost and sinful mankind back to Himself. The love of God has made a difference in my life, and if you're a child of God, may I remind you that the love of God has made a difference in your life. And if you're not a child of God, you don't know for sure that if you were to die today that you'd spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know that, may I say this right out of the gate this morning, that the love of God can make a difference in your life too. And that there is a God of heaven that takes an interest in mankind, that thinks about you, that cares about you. But as we get over here, as the Apostle Paul is telling us in verse number 14, the love of Christ constraineth us. Webster's Dictionary reminds us of the word constrain. May I remind us that this does not mean to choke off or to restrain, okay? I won't get into how many of y'all understand why you know what restrain means. But anyway, we're talking about constraining this morning. The love of Christ constraineth us. And here's what Webster said about this in the definition. He says, constrain means to compel or force, to urge with irresistible power, or with a power sufficient to produce a result. What Webster said about constrain, you say, Pastor, what would be a, a very easily understood, probably the simplest thing that I can explain to us with this understanding of constraining would be a modern day pressure washer. How that that pump, that would be the love of Christ, constrains and forces that water out of that tiny hole to produce a desired effect coming out does not restrain it, but constrains it, puts the pressure and the force to compel 
for a desired result. And may I say this, that as we look into our lives, there's several things, I believe, as we look down through this passage of Scripture, listen, that the love of God, the love of Christ, as it's mentioned here, actually makes a difference in our lives and urges us with irresistible power because of the love of Christ that's inside of us. As we come around this time of year, some of you may go out and buy chocolates on Tuesday because they're on sale. Say amen right there. I heard of one couple, and I'm not sure if they're here today, but the day after Valentine's Day, they go into the store, and they both pick out a Valentine's card and walk to their spouse and say, this is the one I would have bought for you. And then turn around and put it back in the rack, and then they they save $3.50, or some of them cards are 6 or $7. But they said, here's the card I would have gotten for you, and they read it, and then they go put them back, and they just save themselves money. They can go get a four for four down at Wendy's and be able to celebrate with that money, okay? And so some, some of you around this time of year... And this isn't my husband-wife message for this time of year. But may I say this? If tomorrow is the only day you go out of your way to be able to show your love to your spouse, then there's something wrong in your relationship. Okay? But some may go out of their way and you say, well, it's just not me to buy chocolates. It's just not me to buy flowers or to write a mushy card and to be able to give it to them. But I thought this, you, you know that, that love actually makes a difference and sometimes causes us to do things that maybe we wouldn't normally do that's outside the realm of our immediate personality on how we're made. Now, if we acknowledge that that is the case in a physical realm... When we come over here and Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, he's dealing with the depths of a love that is not known just right here between human interaction, but he's dealing with the love that comes from another world that has been given to us and demonstrated to us. And he said, it is this love that constrains me, that urges me, that compels me, that forces me to do some things that, listen, in the realm of human nature may not just be our regular personality. You say, what is it as we look down through here? Well, first of all, in verse number 15, we see that the difference that love makes is that it eliminates selfishness. I believe that could be the very definition of love is lack of selfishness. He says in that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Do you understand the love that Christ has for us? First of all, let me remind us how he demonstrated a lack of selfishness. In John chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You talk about a lack of selfishness as the Lord Jesus Christ looked down upon humanity. Listen, and it says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died from us and saw the sinful condition that each and every one of us is in. Listen, the most unselfish act that's ever been recorded in history is the Lord Jesus Christ dying on an old rugged cross for mankind. That's why when he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, listen, he said this, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will. There wasn't one ounce of selfishness in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He's here to glorify His Father. Hebrews chapter 12 says us that He endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? For the joy that was set before Him. I believe for each and every one of us. you understand why Jesus demonstrated His love for us? He was unselfish. He said, this is what it's going to take. He wasn't thinking about Himself except the reconciliation that would take place to God because of what He went through. May I remind us, That true love, that the difference that love makes is it eliminates selfishness in our life. I believe this is an aspect of love love, that, listen, has been so warped by this world that we live in today. There's statements like that. I mean, we throw around the word love like it's nothing. I mean, you got six-year-olds walking into into school saying, I love you. Valentine's Day tomorrow, they're giving out their Valentines and they love another six-year-old. They don't even know what love is. This world has so warped it, and yet it's never more of a selfish love than what we see today. Well, if you love me, this is what I need you to do. Them words shouldn't even go in the same sentence because it has nothing to do with love. It's just selfishness. It's just saying, hey, you love me, so this is what I want you to do. Do you understand that love is selfless? It's not about us. When the Lord Jesus Christ said he was exiting heaven and coming down to this earth, listen, he had one goal in mind, and that was to seek and to save those that are lost. Now, I believe he knew what he was going to go through. I believe he knew the pain that he was going to face. He knew the agony that he was going to go through. But guess what? At that moment, it wasn't about him. It was about us. And the love that he was bestowing. And we throw that word around today. Can you imagine if we live a completely selfless life because we love someone else? Now you think about in the husband-wife relationship, we can bring that over and bring it into this context for this morning. We understand this. We understand that the the greatest picture of the church, and we said this during the the wedding vows, the greatest picture of the church is the the husband-wife relationship where it says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I thought, boy, what a demonstration and what a picture. And you understand this. Listen, don't let anybody ever tell you that marriage is a 50-50 relationship. Because it's not. Marriage is a 100%-100% relationship. We ought to be putting absolutely everything into it. And sacrificing 100% showing our love. Well, they're just not reciprocating that back to me. That's not the definition of love. 
Love is we are putting everything into it. And listen, those of you who have been married longer than I've been alive, you know that's the truth. You know that's what love is. Hey, you don't always wake up in the morning and have the best breath. Can I get an amen right there? Husbands, that's not where you say amen. That's where the wives say it. You know what I found out? Now listen, she's as beautiful as a lady as can be. I found out the morning after we got married, you know my wife didn't wake up with makeup on? Now I will say this for, for the longest time, and she'll admit this was true, she'd actually get up before me and go get herself completely ready. Isn't that so sweet? Completely ready so that when I woke up, she looked as presentable as she ever did. I, I mean, that lasted, what, I mean, 15 years or so before she stopped doing that? We understand, listen, this matter of love is completely of giving of ourselves. It's not, what can I get out of this relationship? Love is not saying, listen, I want you to do this for me because you love me. Love is saying, listen, it eliminates selfishness. And because the love of Christ constrains us, listen, we henceforth ought not to serve ourselves. You know what? We ought to be serving Jesus. You know why? Because we love him. You say, well, pastor, give me one good reason why I ought to be serving and why I ought to love Jesus. The Bible's full of it. For God so loved the world. You think about everything that Jesus has ever done for you. You say, well, I can't think of one thing Jesus has ever done for me. How about everybody go like this? (sighs) He gives us breath to be able to breathe. Hey, if you don't think that's good, go talk to some. Listen, I've talked with Nancy Buffito. She said, you talk about scary when you can't breathe because of the health conditions she's going through. She said, it started getting scary. You start appreciating every breath that you're able to take and be able to thank God for it. Listen, the love that Jesus bestows upon us. It ought to eliminate selfishness in our lives that say, listen, I'm going to serve you because I love you. You know how that is in the marriage relationship. Listen, they're not always able to reciprocate that, but listen, we still ought to be given of ourselves. It eliminates selfishness. But then can I say this? According to verse number 17, can I say this? It actually changes the very character and being of a person. I'm not going to ask today, but if I, you, you think about this, what's the funniest and strangest thing you ever did in the name of love? Now think about that. Some are chuckling right now. I mean, it, it's just some of the things we do that it's like we're doing it out of love that other people would say, that's absolutely crazy. We look down through here. Do you understand that the love that Christ has for us and the love that we have back to him, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you understand? Because of the love of Christ that's been applied to your life and my life, it completely changes the character and being of a person when they get saved. You know why? Because of love. Because of what Christ has bestowed. Boy, what a difference. You say, well, and we could take testimonies here this morning. You may not be the same person you were before you got saved. Do you know what made the difference in your life? The love of Christ. 
I've never had anybody. Now listen, I honestly believe this, that my wife loves me with all her heart. I believe my kids love me with all their heart. There's nothing that they wouldn't do for me that I wouldn't do for them, but no one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever loved me like Jesus. No one ever said, hey, I love you enough that I'll die for you. And not just die for me, but then he says this, I want to spend eternity with you. Boy, that's love, isn't it? Name one person besides your spouse that you're willing to look at right now and say, hey, I want to spend eternity with you. There's very few that we come across like that in our lifetime saying, man, we're just bosom friends. We're just going to spend eternity. Even the best of friends have to go home to their own houses at some point. But I thought not Jesus. Changes the very being. Listen, there's some that lived a wicked and horrible life before salvation. And do you understand that Jesus loved you exactly where you were, but loved you enough to change you? and to make a difference in your life? You think about love. There's some people we walk by and say, oh, they could never change. That could never be made a difference in their life when the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, hey, I love them enough to make a difference in their life. I love them enough to be able to get involved in them and to be able to get dirty with them. I'm talking down there. I, I heard of an old preacher. Listen, you, you can think what you want, but and this was years ago. Jerry Falwell, my dad, tells a story. My dad was down in Lynchburg, Virginia back in the mid, early mid-70s. He said, I remember the days, he said, that man would walk down through the gutter parts of Lynchburg. And he said, there'd be an old drunk that'd be laying on the, on the, on the, the sidewalk over there. And he said, just as nasty as could be. And testimony after testimony talked about that man would walk by there, take off his overcoat. And walk over and lay it over the top of that man to be able to give him some shelter and be able to give him some warmth. And I thought, well, that's just love for people, isn't it? And I thought examples like that, and we're talking over 40 years ago, close to 50 years ago now. But I thought a difference that love is going to make to be able to change a person. You say, well, pastor, I'd like to, I'd like to act like that. I'd like to have that character and that being in my life. Why don't we just start getting an appreciation for the love that Jesus has for us? I mean, look, in, look at ourselves in the mirror. How many of us are real lovely? I'm not talking about on the outside. I'm not talking about the person after you got done with, well, some people used a comb this morning. Some didn't have anything to use it with. But listen, I'm talking about the inside. Do you know why sometimes we start looking at, we know the real person we are. We know how wicked we are. We know the secret things of our heart. We know what we're holding on to. Do you understand the spiritual condition that you're in right now? Jesus loves you. But loves you enough to say, I don't want to leave you like that. And if Jesus can love us the way that we are, then why can't we appreciate the love that Christ has for us and to be able to go out to someone else and say, hey, I'm going to love them because Jesus loves me. That's what I, and I'm not going to re-preach the message from Thursday night, but that's what I believe the charity is over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. It's the love that God has for us that is in turn flowing to those that are around us and those that we come in contact with. Love makes a difference. It will change the very character and being of a person. How many are thankful that you're not the same person today that you were before you got saved? Boy, isn't that a blessing? Because God looks at us and says, I love you enough 
to change you. Boy, what a blessing. You say, well, that's not really love if he's going to change us. Well, look at what we were. And God says, here's the difference. But then I saw this. We see this ministry, according to verse number 18, we see this ministry of reconciliation. Now, I want you to see this reconciliation, and uh, probably Brother Ben could come up here and give a better definition, being an accountant, and, and some of the others that are here. That's a reconciling. That's to make things balance and even out, isn't it? That if there's a discrepancy on one side, you reconcile that and get the books to balance. Do you understand how out of balance we were with God? That we had no right in and of ourselves whatsoever to be able to approach an almighty God, a holy God that's seated upon the throne? None whatsoever. You say, well, what difference does love make? Does, does love make? It removes the hindrances to relationship. Henceforth, it brings reconciliation. Do you understand how far away from God we were before we're saved? The Bible describes it this way in Ephesians chapter number 2, that we were dead in trespasses and sins. He goes on earlier in the book, in, in another book that he wrote, and says that we were aliens from God. We were strangers from God, completely separated. Listen, we weren't even in the same universe as God. We were so separated from Him. But he said, here's what Jesus did. Jesus took all of that sin that was separating us from Almighty God. And Jesus said, I'll take that. Boy, you talk about love. You ever have anybody pay your penalty? You ever have anybody? Now listen, we know how much of a blessing it is. Now go ahead and think about it. You ever been in a drive-thru somewhere getting a coffee or, or getting some fast food or something and the person in front of you paid for your meal? You know how much we rejoice over that? Man, we tell everybody, man, I was, I, was in, I was in traffic at Duncan this morning and the person in front of me paid for my coffee. When I pulled up there, they said it's already taken care of. That person paid for it. And we rejoice and we thank God for it. And I'm thinking, hey, think about the sin that was paid for that separated us from Almighty God. And you know what love did? Removed all of that. The love of Jesus removed all of that so that we could be reconciled to an almighty God. Removed all of it. You say, listen, now you know how bad of a sinner you are. And I think some of us are probably worse than what we think. I think it's what one old time preacher said. He said, anytime someone comes up and critiques me and tells me everything that's wrong with me, he said, I just think inside myself if you only knew the whole story. He said, because I'm a whole lot worse off than what you're describing right now. He said, as a sinner before Almighty God. And when we understand that and understand the mountain of sin that was in our life and what Jesus did is reconcile us to God and to be able to say, listen, because I love you. Now, let me ask you this. I wonder what it is. Let's bring it over to the human realm right now. Do you understand there's sometimes in our lives, in our relationship, guess what? We just get things right. You know why? Because we love each other. And especially between a husband-wife relationship, you're going to be living together. You might as well like it. You might as well get over it. You might as well get things right. You might as well clear the air, be able to get it out of there. You know why? Because love does that. 
We read in the scriptures about all that charity does, which is the love of God flowing through us. But then we also get back and love covers a multitude of sins. We understand this. We get over things. You know why? Because of love. And the difference that love makes. Hey, listen, there'll be some things that you'll put up with with me and I'll put up with with you. You know why? Because we love each other. Now, if I don't love you, there's some things I'm just not dealing with. But there's some things, you know, we just, we, we get through it because we love each other and we know it's worth it. That relationship is worth it. And as I look down through here, I say, Lord, the love that you have for us, to be able to take all of this sin in my life, in your life, listen, my sin alone was enough to nail him to that cross. And if I would have been the only person alive upon the face of the earth, guess what Jesus would have done? He still would have died for the sins of the world. Now, mine enough was enough that he needed to die. And before you get too prideful, guess what? Yours was enough for him to die on the cross. And you say, well, I'm a pretty good person. It was worth it for him to die. No, there's only one four-letter word that caused him to do that, and that's just the word love. Just the word love. Boy, love makes a difference, doesn't it? Removes these hindrances. But then can I say this, and finally, as we look down through here, because not only, and this is a wonderful passage of Scripture, not only does it say that he reconciled us to God, but now he says this. He said, now we're ambassadors for Christ. Now we're ambassadors, and then he says this. He said, we've been given the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Do you understand that love makes a difference? Now, here's the thing. Since the day I was married, and I can still take it off, since the day I was married, guess what? This has been on my finger. It's the exact same one. I haven't even lost it. Still engraved inside. I don't think I've wore it down yet. You know what this is? It's just representing. And Miss Crystal told me this. She said, you're going to wear a wedding ring because she wants the whole world to know that I'm taken and that I belong to her. Okay? Can I say this now that we're saved and we have the love of Christ that's been applied to our hearts and lives? Do you know what Christ allows us to be able to do? Go represent him. We're an ambassador for Christ. We don't represent ourselves. We don't have our own personal agenda. And I could get into a whole lot right here is if you have an ambassador from the United States to another country, they're not over there. They're not supposed to be with their own personal agenda on what they want to see accomplished. They are actually representing us as a whole and our interests over there in that country or in that region. That's what an ambassador is supposed to do. When we say, and we're told we're an ambassador for Christ, can I say this? We're not there representing our own agenda. But we're representing the love of Christ that made a difference in our lives. And if we've been given the ministry and the word of reconciliation, do you know what we're supposed to be doing? Love makes a difference that it made in our lives that we get to go tell others that the same love of Christ will make a difference in their life. Man, what a blessing. 
What a, be able, what a blessing to be able to represent, hey, this is what Jesus did for me, and this is what he can do for you. You say, well, Jesus really hasn't done that much for me. Can I say this? It doesn't matter. I got saved when I was five years old. I could take you back there right now to the church up in Topsom, Maine, where I knelt down and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. Take you back there right now and be able to show it to you. You say, well, that saved you from a life of misery and drinking and drugs and carousing around. Yes, it did save me from all of that. And I'm thankful for the grace of God that kept me from all of that. But can I say this? When I got saved, I was still a sinner. I was still a sinner. You say, well, you're not as bad of a sinner. How much sin does it take to make you a sinner? How many lies does it take to make you a liar? One. How many times do you have to steal to be a thief? Once. It doesn't matter the amount of sin. I was a sinner before Almighty God. And can I say this? It took the same grace of God to save my soul as it took for the old drunkard that is wasting his life away or the old drug addict that is shooting up his life. Same grace of God to be able to save us. And you know what we get to do? It's not that testimony only that makes an impact that gets up here and says, man, I was laying in a ditch and God saved my soul. Or the preacher's kid gets up here and says, I was five years old and I got saved. Hey, listen, both of us are to be ambassadors and representing the love of Christ in our lives. And you know what you're supposed to be doing? What I'm supposed to be doing is if the love of Christ has made a difference in us, then go and tell somebody what the love of Christ can do in their life and the difference. Now, listen, everybody's looking for something different today that they can try and it's going to make a difference in their life. And some of you have quit trying when you found Jesus because you didn't need anything else. And Jesus made a difference. Hey, that's just biblical. You get to John chapter number 4. Jesus said, if you drink of the water of life that I give you, guess what? You'll never thirst again. You can try this and try that. Try this program. Try this place over here. Try this. But once you get to Jesus, it's amazing. The love of Jesus that can make a difference in someone's life. I'm saying, Lord, as we read down through here, I get to be an ambassador for the love of Christ. Pastor, what are you representing? I'm representing what Jesus did for me. I'm representing the difference that Jesus' love has made for me. Let me ask you, how long has it been since you represented Jesus? Since you actually opened your mouth, represented Jesus, and said, here's the difference that Jesus made. You say, well, he hasn't made that big of a difference. Well, if he changed your eternal destination... He made a pretty big difference. You understand, before we're saved, the Bible says that we're children of the devil. We're headed straight to hell. But after salvation, we're seated in heavenly places with him, according to Ephesians chapter number 2. I thought that's a pretty big difference that the love of God made in my life. You say, if he never did anything else, listen, I'm not going to hell. And I get all the blessings of living with him here on this earth and heaven too. And I'm thinking the love of Christ upon me. Now it all comes back to this. For the love of Christ constraineth us. 
What has it been lately in your life that you just can't help it because Christ loved you so much? What has it been in your life that's been made a difference? Hey, listen, we say, we say we love God. It ties in with 1 John chapter number 2. We say we love Him. What difference is He making in our lives? And then I'll say this. We say we love Him. What difference are we making for Him? Well, I love Jesus, but we can't hardly get out of bed and go to church for Him. Oh, I love Jesus, but I can't tell that coworker how much I love him because he might laugh at me. I guarantee this, and I know they're newlyweds. Can I say this? They've announced all over the place that they got married. They're telling everybody. It's all over the place. It wasn't even that night. All of a sudden, a Facebook status changed, and it's now Mrs. Amy Rose Chamberlain. We don't hide. You imagine if we came to church and I told my wife, now listen, I know we're married. <laughs> but when we're out in public, you go in one side of the store, I'll go in the other side of the store. We don't need to walk together. We don't need to hold hands. I just don't want anybody to know. How do y'all think that would go over? I think all of a sudden there'd be a love that would be constraining me <laughs> or constricting me, one of the two. You say, no, if we love our spouse, we want everybody to know it. What about the love that Christ has for us? I wonder this, I wonder if it's urging us if it's propelling us, if it's compelling us, if it's thrusting us forward to be able to live for Him, to be able to be that ambassador, to be able to take care of that amount of sin, to be able to have that ministry of reconciliation, that it changes the very character and being that we are because of the love of Christ. What difference has it made in your life? What difference has it made in mine? And then as a result of that, what difference is it making in someone else's life? Has your testimony of how much Jesus loves you made a difference to someone else? If it hasn't, there's something wrong. Maybe we don't love him as much as what we say we do. And then maybe we're just being selfish with love. Well, I want all the love, but... I'm not going to do anything for anybody else. We're just going to soak it all in. I'm saying, Lord, would you help us? May this verse become a reality in our lives that the love of Christ would constrain us and love would make a difference in our lives.